0: My scripture reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in the Pew Bibles in the New Testament section on page 4. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. May God bless bless the reading of God's holy
1: scripture. Amen.
0: Jesus compares his disciples to salt and light. He shows his passion and his compassion in a a very open and loud way. He was a man full of zest and zeal, and he gives us a word of warning. If you don't strive to be a vital Christian, you are in danger to be trampled underfoot, a light must shine and not be wasted by being hidden under a bushel. Now, you're going to have to forgive me. As I told the 815 service, I have been in this advanced preaching class, and, and, and in the midst of it, we have been talking about preachers in the United States in the 20th century and the 21st century, and have really put a lens at looking at women preachers, and specifically Black women preachers, mostly because it's African Heri- American Heritage Month, and also because it's uh, it's an important subject to discuss. In the midst of it, it's been it's been very uh, eye-opening for me in the ways that we look at how this works when we start to talk about the language of pulpit. What is the pulpit? In the historical understanding of churches, the pulpit was where the power and the authority of God came from the stained glass windows to the preacher, and the preacher then spoke the words of God to the people. And notice that where the pulpit is in regards and relation to you. These wooden, homemade, Hermite written pieces of furniture that would put inside sanctuaries designed specifically to preach the Word of God. It makes it hard when I think about my own journey of what salt and light really means in the midst of that. You see, when I first started out in ministry, I wasn't really asked to preach sermons. I uh, was a youth person and and as it was told to me multiple times, Josh, you you have a little bit too much passion from the pulpit. And so therefore, uh, we want you to make sure that you go to seminary and make sure that you go do all of these educational things before you preach from the pulpit, even though that's not how our movement began. That's what I was told. But it was okay if, Josh did the administration of youth ministry, it was okay if I met with hundreds of youth at a time, but not to the adults, you see.
1: I remember it very
0: clearly when I moved to Virginia and I had the opportunity to preach it wasn't in what you would think of as a normal pulpit. It was mostly from church camp experiences. And the church that I served gave me the opportunity as the associate minister of that church to preach. But when I became the, the associate regional minister, I wasn't invited to preach from their pulpits because I was not ordained. And I remember this being an extremely frustrating thing to me. It was okay for me to do the work but not necessarily be invited to preach see in virginia and in north carolina we have these districts of churches there were 12 districts of the historically white churches and then we had the piedmont district that was the historical black churches my upbringing in preaching came from different places but Really, the people that spent the most time in educating and training and equipping me was the Piedmont District. They wanted me to come preach from their pulpit. They wanted me to participate in their church. And I keep saying they, but at the time, it was very obvious that it was different then. I will never forget it. In the in the in the historical black church the way that it was brought to my attention was they raise people up to preach they teach them the bible they teach them practices in homiletics they the church the congregation itself raises these preachers up so that they can be a legacy of that congregation and they adopted me i, re, I will never forget it it was reverend kevin Ken Davis, who pulled me aside one Sunday and said, Josh, we want you to preach the word of God. And I had two minutes to prepare. And I remember this very clearly. He said, here's the scripture that we're using today. I want you to preach it as if it's coming from your soul. And I want you to do it and, and, and not think about it because we're going to talk about it afterwards. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this at all. You know, I'm not really supposed to preach from the pulpit. Oh, Josh, you're going to preach. Let it come from your heart, he said. So I got up, and I remember this very clearly. I don't remember the words that I said, but as you all have found out, I preach in circles. And I remember getting up and preaching the scripture and talking about the historical aspects of it and how it speaks to me, and I did all of these things that I thought sounded right, and I get done, and he says, oh, Josh, that was a great sermon such a good sermon. Don't know what you were going with, but it was a good sermon. He said, I think you've had about five sermons in this one passage of scripture, but you know, Josh, it was from the heart. Maybe maybe we can, the next time we do this, notice how he said these things. Maybe the next time you preach, we can do it this way. Not what you should be doing. It was uh, when you do this. He became the salt of the earth for me. Ken has passed on, and the salt of that earth has not lost his flavor inside of me. And when I preach, I think of the words that he said to me, that the salt of the earth becomes the word of God. And how we preach matters. But...
1: It's the where we preach gives it power. You see, this
0: is not power. You know, it was really, it's, I really struggled with this in my class. When I think about how Ken would teach us about praying, and Tony Redd and I, who is a historically black preacher, and he and I are the same age, and we were kind of adopted at the same time and notice I'm not saying that they taught me how to be a black preacher just how to preach I recognized very quickly that this pulpit was not always welcome and open to them and yet they adopted me and then I realized that this is not where the salt of the earth is you see this This is a vessel in which we carry ourselves, but you get to be the salt of the earth. Now, Jesus is saying this to his disciples, not just to me or just to us, but to all those that are sitting on the side of a mountain and they know it's getting close to dark. Jesus says,
1: you are the light of the world.
0: It's not something to be taken lightly. You are the light of the world. This is not where the power lies, but within you is where the power lies. You get to illuminate the world and the understanding of the word of God in such a way that comes from your heart, from your soul, and from the depths of your being. You have your own sermons to preach becomes our responsibility to nurture, to empower, and to literally kick you out the door to be the light unto the world. I cannot pretend to understand what it means to be trampled underfoot for the words that come out of my mouth. So I went to the the commentary, and I think to myself, I think uh, about this aspect of what Dr. Warren Carter talks about. When he talks about being trampled underfoot, he's talking about being trampled by literally the Roman Empire and telling them in the midst of that, do not lose your
1: saltiness. Now, I don't want to be cliché.
0: I really want you to take this seriously. I want you to recognize that you are the salt of the earth. Maybe, maybe not to your spouse, maybe not to your friends, but you are to someone. And you are the light of the world, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, because you are followers and disciples of Jesus Christ.
1: And with that comes power. And sometimes authority. And in the midst of that, you are salty.
0: I know that in the midst of all of our things in our life, we think about how dark it is on the outside and how, how the world has lost its flavor.
1: but you bring it back. You bring it back. I don't wanna make it in the
0: idea that salt is just the old way of looking at it, but you have to recognize the way they would have heard it in the first century salt was used for healing and cleansing it was for preserving it was for flavor it was for sustaining moisture in humans in very dry climates did you know that it was such a prized possession that they used it to pay soldiers their wages with christians are called the salt of the earth because of their penetrating and preserving power in a lost world you is plural and emphatic. The believers are salt. It is not an option, church. The only choice is what
1: kind of salt you will be.
0: Light has always been a biblical metaphor for life and truth and healing. Jesus re- refers to himself this way. The question is, is not will you be the light of the world as a believer because you are the light of the world. The only real question is, what kind of light will you be? All that some people know
1: about God, they know from you. I want you to think about that. All that people, some people know about God, they know it from you.
0: So we questions that we have to roll around in our minds as we think about this. You see, how are we salt in the lives of people around us? What does it look like to let our light shine? What does it look like to lose saltiness or to hide our light? What does it mean to be trampled underfoot? You see, I never wanted to be a senior minister because of the power that comes from behind the pulpit. And I knew the words that came from my heart nobody wanted to hear.
1: Nobody likes discomfort.
0: So why would you want the passionate youth minister that says, God loves all of God's creation, whether you do or not. Amen? Nobody wants to hear that from the pulpit because we've been taught in a tradition that says, Oh no, God loves everybody except
1: dot, dot, dot.
0: And being being in a church, being in a group of people that were brought up to believe that their voice did not matter, that understood being trampled underfoot, them taking me under their wing and adopting me as if I was their own, do you see Do you see how powerful that was for me? And then not being able to talk about it. Because then they would say, oh, no, no. You're preaching the word of God and the word of God will come through you whether you like it or not. I remember Ken saying to me, when you're a preacher, remember these things. Not if you become a preacher.
1: Church, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I never wanted to be a senior minister, but here I am. And this isn't necessarily where the power comes from. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.